Hey, if you love basketball podcasts, check out the Ringer NBA show. We moved real ones to twice a week with Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell. And lately on the Thursday episodes, they've been having ex-players every once in a while. Tim Duncan, Sean Marion, Quentin Richardson was on last week. Check it out. That podcast is getting better and better. Real ones on the Ringer NBA show twice a week. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident, and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com and the ringer podcast network where stay tuned. We might, might be announcing a couple of things over the next couple of weeks. I am on the rewatchables twice this week. Sleeping with the enemy is going to be uh, Monday and then Wednesday coming to America, which is available on Amazon prime for free. So yeah, sleeping with the enemy and coming to America this week on the rewatchables. And if you like hearing me on podcast, don't forget Jacoby and I, every Wednesday night, breaking down whatever the latest episode of The Challenge was for 25 minutes on the Ringer Dish podcast. So subscribe to that one. And you can listen to Kevin O'Connor's podcast, The Mismatch, which got its own feed this year. They're doing it twice a week. He's doing a great job for us. He is on next. We're going to talk about the Celtics, the All-Star Game, All-Star Selections, Ben Simmons, all kinds of stuff. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, he's on the Mismatch podcast, which got spun off this year into its own feed. More importantly, uh, a huge Tom Brady defender, <laughs> a champion of the Tom Brady goat argument, and uh, vindicated yet again as Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl. You must have been proud, KOC. Felt great, Bill. It was an amazing night. Amazing. Number seven and hungry for more. He's always said, what's your favorite ring? What's your favorite ring? The next one. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. It took me betting on him every round in the playoffs to really get sucked in completely <laughs> and be back in and forgive him. Uh, speaking of Boston sports, it's panic time for the Celtics. It really started Friday night with the with a terrible loss to the Pistons. And KFC and I, we're going to do a whole all-star thing. We have a bunch of great topics, mm. but the Celtics thing's pretty relevant because I was looking at the East standings 
and right now, and we're taping this, it's 5.30 Sunday night Pacific time. Philly's 18 and 9. Milwaukee is 16 and 10 playing right now. Brooklyn's 16 and 12. After that, it's not a dip. It's a crater. And I don't feel like any other team right now is remotely in the crass of those top three. The team that you would have expected was the Celtics. Indies had, they've had injuries. They've had, you know, big trade stuff like that. The Celtics to be 13 and 13. I know there are some reasons. Tatum got, got COVID when they were seven and three, uh, smart got hurt. Kemba hasn't been right, but this weekend losing today badly to a mm. terrible Washington team that they killed a few weeks ago. This was a cry for help loss. And what, what like, is there a trade coming? What do you think happens here? Ugh, I mean, we're finding out what happens when you let Cantor and Wanamaker just walk for nothing. Clearly. <laughs> God, when you, when you have the missing Wanamaker, you know things have gone badly this season. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much wrong, Bill, right now. The, the lack of ball movement, the lack of off-ball movement with players cutting and screening. And it feels like the Celtics are falling apart before our eyes right now. And yet, I still look at this team on paper and you see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in their young 20s averaging 26 points per game. You still look at guys like Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard and they're solid young role players. Look at Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. They're solid role players, but there's something wrong with the mix. And when you see Jalen Brown after the game being asked about the lack of ball movement and he pauses for a long time and just says no comment, it feels like the Celtics are at a point like in past years where there's something wrong with the mix, with the chemistry in the locker room, because it's hard to pinpoint something specifically with the roster, other than the fact that Kemba looks like a total shell of his former self, except for today, of course. But uh, Kemba does not look like the same guy overall. I don't know which one thing it is. I mean, like, where do you put the blame, like, at the top of the, the blame chart here? I, I don't know. It just feels like a big mix of everything that's wrong. Yeah, it's weird. If you were in Europe or something and you didn't have League Pass and you're just looking at the stats, you'd be like, ah, it doesn't look that bad. It, it's really hard to find yeah. little pieces. But like one thing, you mentioned the lack of ball movement. They're 28th in assists, or mm. they were heading into this game. They're 22.3. That's a tiny red flag. They're 19th in scoring. They're under 111 a game now, which you would think if when if you, if you I was going to tell you Jalen's going to score 26 a game this year, you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. They're going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the league. They're actually hitting threes. They're, you know, they're like 37, 38%. So that hasn't been a problem. Five and 10 in their last 15 games. And here's what I see from the eye test, which is very similar to what you just laid out. It's a team that lost its confidence in what it is over the course of the post-COVID. Tatum, Tatum going away, two tough losses in Philly. Smart goes down in the Lakers game. And then over the course of that West Coast trip, where they're in these games and they can't execute at the end because they don't have that third score that scares anybody. And over and over again, you see Tice taking open threes. That The game Friday night, they're down three with a minute left. They get a turnover. They're coming back the other way. And for some reason, Tice has the ball 25 feet away from the basket. He's open. And it was one of those no, no, yes, but there's no yes. It's just a no, no <laughs> brick. And the Pistons win. But it, it feels like a team that relies so much on Jalen and on Tatum, and they're so desperate for anybody else to come in. So the other night, Semi plays well. The one time all year he's played well against Toronto, gives them 24 points, they win easily. Cause it's like, wow, we have a third scorer. <laughs> this is great. The, the, to me, it goes down to like, they don't have that heat check guy. They don't have that point guard who can create shots for other dudes. I thought it was going to be Pritchard. Then he got hurt. 
And it's just been like one stumble after the other. And that's why I don't want to completely panic yet. But I also really don't like the roster the way it is. That's fair, right? I think that's fair in terms of the roster. I feel like with Boston, it's inevitable they're going to make a move. I'd honestly be shocked based off every conversation I've had in recent weeks that they, I'd be shocked if they don't make a move. Uh, before the March 25th. If they don't headline. make a move, my dad's going to flip out. My dad is DEFCON 2. As he should. How high is DEFCON go? It goes 5 to 1, right? Something like that. My he, dad's should be Defcon he should be at the max if they he don't make a move. He sent me a furious Danny text on Friday night. It was just like, he's got to go. It was one of those. I was like, whoa. He doesn't have to hold, hold go. Hold horses here, Dr. Bill. Yeah, but he's super. He's just like, Thompson, terrible. Jeff Teague, terrible. We could have had McDermott and Turner for the Hayward trade. They didn't want it. I'd much rather have those two guys than this amorphous trade exception where we might not be able to get anybody. <laughs> Sadiq Bay Friday night is just killing them. The guy they passed up when they took Neesmith, mm. who's like barely played, and Can't he's just going down the line. The Rogier Kemba thing's a disaster too. Where it's like, yeah. oh cool, we flipped Rogier on the Hornets. They're paying him way too much money. They're getting Kemba back. Everyone would rather have Rogier right now. I mean, it's it's a comedy of errors, KOC. Yeah, for sure. And some of it is a victim of circumstance for Boston. It's like you have Isaiah Thomas. He gets hurt. You get Kyrie Irving. He wants to leave. You get Kemba Walker. He falls apart. Don't He's forget like, Hayward. Hayward, Hayward gets hurt in Hay 13 Hayward, minutes. Of course, too. of course. And it's not all like the fault of the front office or the coaching staff for that matter. It's just a big mix of errors, some mistakes, and just some unfortunate things that happen in the past. And for, for the Celtics right now, if you, you know, take a step back from the fact they're underwhelming, that they're 500 right now, they still do have that traded player exception. You're right. Maybe passing on Miles Turner and Doug McDermott will end up being a mistake. That's very possible. That could end up being a pivotal mistake by the Celtics. However, I do think that traded player exception gives them so many options around the league in terms of what they can target and how much they would have to give up to do it. I mean, you could go for a Nikola Vucevic from Orlando. You could target a guy like a like a Thaddeus Young or a Harrison Barnes. You could go after somebody who isn't readily available but makes sense for your roster, like a Larry Nance Jr. from Cleveland, who you know I love. I was on with you and Rosilla before the season. <laughs> you I, love, Larry I love Larry Nance. He's versatile. He can shoot threes. He's a <laughs> you smart can't quit passer. Larry Nance. I mean, I'm telling you, as soon as he's on a contending team, people are going to fall in love with Larry Nance. But there's a lot of players that could, that make sense for the roster. It's just for Boston, I do wonder, what does make most sense? I mean, do you feel like the Celtics are in a position right now where they should go hard for like a Vucevic type of player to help round out this roster, give him a better big man. Vucevic is like arguably an all-star this year for Orlando. He's having the best season of his career. Or do you feel like they are in a position now where they should, you know, maybe go for a move around the edges, you know, take it easy, head into the summer, holding the traded player exception and give yourself maximum no, you, amount of flexibility. No, no, stop. They can't hold the exception. They have to use it. And it, this isn't a panic thing. I just don't think the East is that good. And I do think... If they get one player here that they can really rely on in a real way, and then the second piece of that would be, can Kemba ever go back to being Kemba? Which we, we could talk about after this. I went through all the all the salaries. Their salary cap exception is 28 and a half. DeRozan's 27.7, but I don't think San Antonio trades him. He's playing too well. And and like right now, as we're taping this, they're tied with the Hornets. But the, you mentioned before we went on, the Spurs are fun this year. I don't know I if they do stuff <laughs> unless they're getting some awesome trade back. Otto Porter's 27 and a half. That's not going to make a difference. Vucevic, I'll come back to. Aldridge is too old on this. The Spurs would give him away at this yeah. point. 
the Kings are claiming they're not going to trade Harrison Barnes and they're kind of a fringe playoff playing team. I think he's important for them for the culture. I think they have a weird locker room just in general. I don't see them trading him. Aaron Gordon, Evan, Evan Fortier, both those guys are going to be available, but I don't think they fix what the Celtics need. To me, it's two guys. Vucevic, who's 26, would be the home run. I think Thad Young would really help this team yeah. because, and you, you watch them a lot too. Day in, day out, I don't know who I can count on from the swing spots other than Tatum and Brown. And when these guys come out of the game, like today, there was one point I looked up. Semi Ojale and Neesmith had played 42 minutes combined today against the Wizards, and they had zero field goals. This is 42 <laughs> minutes. We had a game the other day where Grant Williams and Pritchard played like 45 minutes combined. They had like, you know, a combined four points. They need anybody who's just like, if I'm, if I play 25 minutes, I'm going to score 12 points. And I'm going to do this. And you watch Thad Young and the Bulls, like he can post up a little bit. He can make an open three. He's a vet. He knows where to go and what to do. He's not going to completely disappear for a week. So he would be my, he would be my small one, but I would go all in on Vucevic. I really would. I think it solves a lot of problems for both teams because I think they can absorb his whole exception, give him back, you know, time Lord, they can give him Langford. They, I would even, I love Pritchard, but I would put Pritchard in the trade if they had to, um, Neesmith and a bunch of picks and just, if they had Vucevic with the way Brown and Tatum are playing, that's a really good offensive team all of a sudden. It's a really good offensive team, but I'm still not sure it's good enough. And I worry that with whatever else you gave up in the form of young players or draft picks, you might just be setting yourself back for the chance of the actual next star who could become available, which is in all likelihood Bradley Beal. I mean, we'll see what happens there. All but, indications... do you, but do you honestly think they have enough to get Bradley Beal? They don't have that. We'll that... see kind of trophy piece we'll see i mean they do have all of their first round draft picks at the moment in the future they do have those aforementioned young players you mentioned the for boston is there a guarantee they would be able to offer the most for him no i don't think there is but i, I do think boston should try to maintain positioning for that guy that actually pushes them forward with vucevic he helps no doubt about it but i want to offer one other name that you didn't mention bill and that's okay an, an old friend al horford and oh one of my, my buddies, well, well, hold, stay with me. One of Why my buddies, doing this to me? one of my buddies brought up Horford for this reason, not necessarily as somebody to help. Like he is better than Daniel Tice right now, but he extends the usage of the traded player exception for this reason. $27 million deal. So you can absorb him. And then next year, 27 million for the 2021, 22 season. And then the following season, he's guaranteed for only 14 and a half million dollars. So as soon as this coming season, Horford would become a piece that could be used essentially as salary filler, as a as an expiring contract. So you would, but extend, he doesn't help them. He doesn't help them compete for the East this year. In my he opinion, he doesn't help you compete for the East this year. But he. So you're saying does, he's he, a he's a stopover to save him for next year. So you're throwing exactly. away this year if you do that trade. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could still also trade for a Thaddeus Young. You could give up like Tristan Thompson as a salary filler with other draft picks for him. I mean, it doesn't prevent you from doing one of those other moves that you're you're talking about. But for the exception itself, it's just an idea that a friend brought to me that I kind of am into. If there's not a clear winning deal for you that's out there, Horford does make some sense because he helps a little bit. He's better than Tice, better than your other bigs right now, can shoot threes for you, do all the things Al Horford's along done but he does extend the life of that exception past late November, 2021 later this year. Part of the problem is they have a bunch of guys that I, I like or don't mind individually, 
But on this team, they don't seem to work. Like Thompson is somebody I was really high on. And my dad reminds me every call or text I have, I know you like him, but, and just kills him. But is this, is this the kind of team Tristan Thompson should be on? Like offensively, unless he has some sort of guard or swingman guy who he's setting a pick for and rolling to the basket with his hands up, he's pretty useless on offense. And then defensively, Stevens just doesn't seem like he trusts him, especially in the last five minutes. And he's playing Tice a lot. He's playing Grant Williams mm-hmm. a lot. Those guys are foul machines. Over and over again in crunch time, those guys will have a huge foul at the worst possible moment because they can't help themselves. So um, that's why if if I had to tinker, I would do the Thaddeus Young because I do think he he just he gives them 22 to 24 minutes a game that right now is just a D minus for the team. Whoever you put in, yeah. semi Ojale, um, whether you're playing going small with it with a guard, whatever. Uh, Javante Green, all these dudes, like they're all, it's, it's a D, D plus, D minus, depending who you're looking at. So I, I still like the Vooch thing because I don't know who else could trade for him in a way that makes sense for Orlando because that the, the benefit for the Celtics is, all right, fine. Here's $9 million worth of guys. We'll save you 17 million this year and we'll give you some picks. And you're and you're reset buddy, and you suck anyway. If you're Orlando, you have a chance to get the number one pick potentially. You have to get him off the team because <laughs> everyone else is hurt he, or whatever. He, he is their team pretty much right. right now. I mean, they run everything through him in the half court. He gets a ton of touches for that roster. So if Orlando did want to bottom out, trading Vucevic is the no-brainer, and he could help. I mean, he's a really good player. He's having a career season shooting threes. He's a good passer. He can run. Spaces the floor, which is huge. Spaces. He, you can run dribble handoffs through him like you can with Thaddeus Young. You know, Thaddeus Young this year with Chicago, I love the way Billy Donovan's using him there more as a small ball five. You're seeing some yeah. playmaking from him around the elbows. So either of those guys make a lot of sense for helping the roster this season, but that doesn't all that doesn't necessarily prevent you from making another move. I, I, one question though, when it comes to like salaries to use in a deal, you've long been someone who's wanted to trade Marcus smart. Do you feel no, like, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Well, 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 why, why are you, you pinning that been, out? You've me. been open to it. I Billy. love Marcus you, Smart. You, you've been open. You love him. No. But he's been somebody you've been open to trading. I, I, if, if I felt like I could get back an incredible piece, sure, I think okay. it has to be discussed. Like with the Warriors this year. Like well, if there was a chance it, to go 14 and smart for the two, I think we have to discuss it. Sure. If I have a chance to get it, Wiseman. At this point, though, do you feel like with Smart being out, the heartbeat is missing? Because uh, I feel like that's like Marcus Smart's presence on the court for all the negatives with like taking too many jumpers. I, I feel like there's an energy with the team on the court that's just missing. Like it, it can't be measured, but Smart just makes that type of intangible impact where I don't I don't know if they could trade him even in one of those deals just because of that right. it factor he provides. Like it's it's at that point with him, which is weird to say with the negatives, but it's the way I'm feeling when I watch the Celtics right now. And that combined that that's why this isn't bleak because they have moves. They have some young yeah. guys that if you're Orlando or whoever, you're gonna at least be intrigued by their worth flyers. Um, smart has real value. The exception allows them to do a couple of things. The question for me, well, first of all, when smart comes back, he'll be like, I've solved your third scorer problem. Here I am. And, and the answer is like, ah, I'm not sure you've solved it. <laughs> Calm down, Marcus. Please, please don't take that shot with 27 seconds left in the game on the line. Um, the question for me, Kemba smart, Tatum Brown, and let's say Tice or Thompson. Is that a is that a crunch time five I can trust if I'm playing Philly or Milwaukee or Brooklyn? And my answer is no. 
because I don't, I still don't think I have enough offense unless Kemba can miraculously get it back. And let me tell you something. I've been watching this dude for two years. He doesn't look healthy. He, he has it some days. Then there's other, he's, he look at his game log this year. He'll have a one for 12. He'll have a three for 17. Like these are alarming games. And then he'll have a game like today against Washington who sucks defensively. And it's like, all right, here comes Kemba's back. <laughs> but when you watch him against a team like Utah, he's just not the same guy. And they, and they know exactly how to defend him. And he, and he's taking these contested shots that you don't feel like are going in. He doesn't have the same explosiveness around the rim yet. Do you think it comes back? I don't feel good about it. I mean, Me neither. It, all indications have been the past year, ever since that injury happened in last January, last February around all-star weekend has just been like, uh Oh, uh-oh. Is he going to get back to being the same guy? He wasn't after a time off with the hiatus to get into the bubble. He wasn't after more time off from the end of the bubble to the start of the season. He went, he wasn't back mid season when he came back. Uh, like when is it going to happen? I don't know. We've seen these smaller athletic point guards that are very reliant on speed and shiftiness and explosiveness around the rim. Just fall off a cliff. Is that happening right now? We won't know until the passage of time occurs. But like it doesn't look good in the moment. It's it's scary to watch because he just a couple of years ago, last year, Bill, he was like a, a no brainer all star, a right. no brainer. He and was an essential scorer, especially yes. in the last five minutes. You make a key point. The margin of error with little guys is so much, so much wider yeah. and bigger than it is. Like if he was like. I don't know, Blake Griffin, although Blake Griffin now, his career's, ba he basically looks like 2000 Larry Johnson, but oh, sad. you can Griffin. still, if you're big and you have size and the, you, you can cheat around in games, when you're a little guy, if, you know, all of a sudden you've lost a little bit of explosiveness, now that completely changes what you can do around the rim. And then the three-pointer thing, like he can still make wide open threes, but like the, you know, that classic Kemba move he has, that's a little like the Chris, Mall, Chris Paul move where he kind of, drives hard right, does the step back over yeah. the dude. He's only made that a couple times the last four or five weeks. And that's worries me more than anything. I Listen, if if people, and I know they're going to be torching Danny tomorrow and the Celtics and why didn't they do this? <laughs> why didn't do they do that? Um, they have had really bad luck. That's the defense. It's the Hayward thing. The way that played out from start to finish was just couldn't have gone worse. And then they turn in Rozier and Nakemba and that's honestly couldn't have gone worse except for the first couple months. And, you know, like if the Clippers signed Paul George and he was immediately hurt after three months, it, they wouldn't be the Clippers. So I think you have to factor that in. I guess the frustrating thing for me with them is they've had chances to jump up in drafts for guys they liked. And they just didn't. Halliburton was sitting there. Halliburton would have just an enormous impact on this team. And I feel like they could have moved up four spots to get him. And sometimes you got to overpay 130 cents in the dollar. He wanted to do it. Justice Winslow a few years ago, he's going to give up four first round picks for justice Winslow. Sometimes you got to make a move if you really like somebody. And I just feel like over and over again, they're waiting for the picks to be Brooklyn again. It didn't happen with Sacramento and Memphis. They're waiting for guys to follow them. Guess what? Guys don't usually fall. So, uh, I I'm torn because I do feel like they need to do something. I'm not 100% sure I trust them to do the right thing here. They still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And ultimately, I feel like they're still, if you put them, rank, if you're ranking future, the futures of all 30 teams in the NBA, Boston is still 
near the top because of those but two guys. Isn't that alone. The fr- but, but isn't that the frustrating thing about this? You have yes, those two exactly, guys that exactly. it's so yep. easy to build around two yes. interchangeable, awesome swing guys. And they're 13 and 13. It's like mm-hmm. impossible. And, and, and that's why there needs to be urgency here because yes. with those two guys, look, at, at some point, they're going to be the two players people are talking about is like, can you poach them from Boston? What are you going to do to get Tatum out of Boston? What are you going to do to get Brown out of Boston? Unless they get it fixed this season or next season, like there has to be urgency over the next year to get it right. Because those guys deals are going to be up before we know it. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a couple of years down the road. Tatum's deal just kicked in, but that time will be here before we know it. And so for Ainge and that front office, they, they, have to be proactive with getting it right here around those two guys because they're that good and they deserve to have, have that roster around them no matter what it takes. Yeah, and that, I mean, that to me would have been impossible six months ago. It, I, last <laughs> yeah. point, and then we'll move on to the all-star stuff. Those guys have played really hard this year. They really go all out on both ends. They do not get calls, and I don't mean that in the Tommy Heinsohn way, but they just, certain guys just don't get Where's respect from refs. And they, this has been a recurring theme the whole year of these guys just don't get calls, and they're trying to go to the hoop, and I, they've, they've taken a pretty big pounding this year. And the, this weekend was the first time I started to worry about, like, you know, are these guys willing to do what it takes game to game with the amount of you know, load that they have on this team where if they don't get to 50 points combined, this team really can't compete against anybody that's playing well. Um, you have to take that burden off them. And that's why I think Vucevic is the guy. I think he's a really good player. I like the idea of him, Kemba, Smart, Tatum, and Brown at the end of games. I think that would be really hard to defend if Kemba was playing well. It would be hard to defend. What does it do to your defense, though? Vucevic, he, is, he's not a, a good defender. He's not a great defender. He's, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, he's average. He's average, right. you know? So I do wonder if that's where maybe it ends up killing you in the end in postseason when Embiid is just shredding Vucevic or Giannis is shredding Vucevic. And and then, you're, then you might be feeling differently at that point. And that's why a big part of me wonders, Bill, if the real move is the thing that's going to piss everybody off, including you and your dad and every Celtics fan. is, the, And that's just playing it a little safe. Ride it out. Right now and riding it out because I still think Bradley Beal is the big whale that mm. Boston and all other teams should be thinking about. I don't know if Boston would have enough, but I do think this with Bradley Beal, if he does take this into the offseason, he will only have one year left on his deal. He will suddenly gain leverage with where he wants to go. And if he wants to go to Boston and play with the person he's known since he was a teenager, since Tatum was a little kid, he, he will have power to push his way there in the offseason. So no guarantees, but ultimately I still think Boston should be doing what they can to get Bradley Beal. He's the guy that solves issues. Do you think he'll grow a beard and gain 20 pounds and tank the season until <laughs> he gets traded and then half-heartedly apologize to Rachel Nichols a month later and it'll all be fine? Uh, we, we'd we be remiss if we didn't mention Brad Stevens really quick. The president. Uh, unassailable record over the years. He's He's consistently gotten teams to overachieve. Two years ago, he didn't. I don't think he's done a good job this year. And it's be- like there's little stuff that I like he knows more about basketball than me. I'm not going to pretend he does. He doesn't. Um, he does. He does. Yeah. I said that correctly, (laughs) but they're playing the Pistons on Friday night and I'm sitting there at home and I'm just like, why aren't they in a fucking zone? Detroit stinks. Why why are we playing man to man? And they're doing this weird, like Dirk Nowitzki post-up thing with Jeremy Grant. And 
trying to clear runway for for right. And I'm like, just play zone. These guys suck. The lack of kind of ingenuity in some of these games compared to what you see from Nurse, Spolstra, Frank Vogel, um, where I just feel like those guys really know their team and what to do. And his reliance on how many times do we have to see Shemi Ojale? Like how many times? How many years? We're in year five. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. Grant Williams, he's he's always going to be three inches too short. He can't play at the end of games. So I, that part's been frustrating for me. I can't believe I'm criticizing the president. It, it sounds like you're you're making a personnel uh, complaint more than anything else. You know about the pieces he has and what he has to choose from. Yeah, all, all, you know to put out there on the court. Do you I, think he's gotten creative? Both. I swear to God, I was in a conversation the other day about I would fucking play Taco. <laughs> <laughs> he freaks out other teams. He comes in, team, teams get completely discombobulated. It's like running the Wildcat. I would throw him out there over some of the shit we've seen. All right, enough Celtics talk. We're Taco's do, the solution. <laughs> Taco. That's the, Taco is, uh, is for the next game. Uh, we're going to take a break. Come back, All-Star. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. Have you ever been in an accident? And you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So you you have a vote, right? I do have a vote. We're only allowed to pick the starters. Yep. And um, there's an interesting starter conversation in the East because Giannis Durant and Embiid have to be three. I think Jalen Brown has to be one of the guards. I think he deserves it. He is a guard. Um, he's been a excellent, excellent two-way player on a team that was a playoff team until this weekend when everything fell apart. Who is the other guard for you? Because here are your candidates. You can have Bradley Beal scoring 33 a game on a horrendous Wizards team. You can have Trey Young, 27 and 9, on a Hawks team that every time I watch it, I end up hate watching them because I just hate every, <laughs> I just hate everything they're about. Um, bas- sport, basketball hate, not real hate. Um, you could have Kyrie Irving who just disappeared for two weeks. He missed nine games. 
Um, you could have Zach Levine, who's on um, on a team that really ultimately doesn't matter, and I think he's the ultimate good stats, bad team guy. Or you could have Ben Simmons, who's the best defender in the league. Who is your starting guard in the East next to Jalen Brown? Is Jalen oh, Brown one of your starting guards? No, no he's not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he just, Who are your just, starting guards? Just missed narrowly. Uh, I have Bradley Beal and James Harden as my two starting guards, and neither of them were locks. You know, Embiid, Durant, Giannis, those three in the front court, easy choice, doesn't take much thought. That's simple. But all those guards are tough, Re really, really tough. And ultimately, I went with Bradley Beal. I, I don't feel like... 33 points is anything to to balk at. It's amazing what he's done. And he's been a better passer than the stats actually indicate. Uh, I looked up for an article I put up Monday on the ringer uh, that of players that have logged at least 90 assists this season, there's 60 players. He ranks 55th of those 60 in terms of what his passes have in terms of how his potential assists have actually turned into assists. So teammates are not converting his passes. He's been a good playmaker for that Wizards team. And I know some people will say, well, he's sulking on the sideline. Hold that against him. I don't hold it against him. And then with James I don't hold Harden, that against him. I hold that Joe I hold Joe House's theory that Bradley Beal in the last two minutes of a game, his shot never goes in. That's Joe House. No advanced metrics at all. Just that's Wizards <laughs> fan Joe House. He's like, it just doesn't go in in the last two minutes. But there you go. So you don't have him next to Jalen then? I do. And, he, and do? here's okay. why. Because I can't reward James Harden for what he did this season. I just can't. I I am a guy that has not changed over the years. There's very few things I despise in basketball. And one of them is the guy who gets everything he wants for a franchise and then quits on them anyway and then magically turns the button back on once the trade happens. <laughs> I'm not rewarding him with that. He's 24-7-11. I know he's one of the best players in the league, but I'm not. I'm sorry. You're not getting my starting vote. You're just not. I'd much rather give it to Beal and Jalen. Yeah, but it's 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 the all-star game. It's not the all-good guy He's still team. in. It's he's going to make it. Yeah, he's going to make it. You just don't have him as a starter, which is... I don't have I, him as a starter. Uh, I, I think I think that's fair, but I, I still have him as a starter, and I'm not holding against what happened in Houston against him. He's been amazing. He's been brilliant with Brooklyn this so season. So when you say you're not holding it against him, you're not holding against him the fact that he showed up late, that he completely submarined the team, <laughs> <laughs> that all of his teammates hated him within a couple weeks, that he was overweight and lethargic and then was mailing it in by the end. You're still, holding none of that still against producing, him. Still producing at an elite level. And maybe I should hold it against him, and maybe that's a mistake on my part. But ultimately, the production, it doesn't lie with him. He's been amazing with Brooklyn, taking control of that offense, averaging 20 more touches than Kyrie Irving, 40 more than Kevin Durant. He is running the show for that amazing offense that we're watching. And I know Brooklyn stinks defensively, but when they want to turn it up, Harden also has been pretty solid in those moments defensively. We saw the possession and the post up against Kawhi Leonard a couple weeks back and the Nets went over the Clippers. He's had some good moments for them. Now, I have now you starter. sound like, now you sound like he's paying you. <laughs> I have him as a starter. And, and uh, he does and not I, have good moments defensively. He'll he'll have have a play moments. where you're like, Oh, James hey, tried that a couple play. Of good, again, moments. <laughs> 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 I, I have Harden as a starter, but I, I don't fault you for having Jalen Brown. For me, it was Beal, then Harden, and then Brown. If I'm ordering those guards, but when it okay. comes to what, one quick question though, I, I have this on my article up on the ringer tomorrow on Monday. Like what, what are we still doing positions for? With, with with like Jalen Brown listed as a guard. I, I don't understand what makes Brown a guard, Tatum a forward, 
Jimmy Butler a forward, even though he's averaging nearly seven assists. Hayward's a forward, even though he has almost identical usage as Jalen Brown, who's a guard. Tobias yeah. Harris is a forward, even though he, again, utilized very similarly to Jalen Brown. I just wish at this point we could go positionless. That, that's the way I'm feeling You're about it. You're such a millennial. You love tradition, it's, Bill. It's just, no, it's just like... They, they removed the center a couple it, of years back. Let's, let's here, here's why I think he can shoehorn in as a guard. Because to me, it's like, could he guard other teams' guards? Could he guard James Harden? You know, I look at Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris to me is a forward. I don't feel like he could guard, you know, But then what Ginobili. about Ben Simmons? Simmons is listed as a guard. Luka's listed as a guard, even though... He, but Ben Luka Simmons is, can guard everyone on the floor. And like, uh, to me, he's the ultimate positionless guy. Uh, he is, ultimately, yes. And Luka is a guy who defends, you know, wings and forwards, not so much smaller, quicker players. I'm I, I with just, you, I, right? The, yeah. Like, the, the positions we could probably do away with at this point. But to me, it's more like perimeter... And then paint mm. like that. We could just go perimeter paint and it would probably make more sense at this point. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. But, and that's sort of what they're going with here. And there's some issues like, it's not a big deal. I don't think it necessarily changed who I selected from my team this year. Definitely not with the starters, but I don't know. It, it's just, I think there's going to be years where this really pops up and you feel it uh, with balance and the players that are selected or the players that end up being snubs. Well, don't you feel like, and granted this, this is uh, eye test, no way to actually prove this or stick to it, but you just kind of have to feel it. I When I pick my starters, and I do this with the LNBA too at the end of the year, I want the five guys to actually make sense as a, as a five-man team, right? So I have for the East, Giannis, Duran, Embiid, Harden, Jalen. I do feel like those five guys would play together yeah. really well. You know, we saw in the uh, early 2000s in the West, and sometimes people would get voted in. It would be like Shaq, KG, and Duncan. <laughs> and then, you know, Kobe and some other shooting guard. And it was like, these are five, this five-person team does not make sense. You know, and Duncan and KG would be like kind of colliding. And um, that's why I feel like Jalen, I don't feel like Tatum's a guard, weirdly, but I feel I do feel like Jalen's more of a guard because I've seen him defend all these other guards. Uh, all right, so we'll disagree on Harden. Other than that, that that was pretty easy. So you go to the bench. We got Tate. We both have Tatum in there, right? Yep, Tatum. We both have Chris Middleton in there because he's yep. been really good. Uh, I'm assuming you have Bam Adebayo in there. I do have Bam as the third third forward. He's kind of stealth. Twenty nine and twenty points, nine rebounds, five assists this year. He's been really That's really solid. good. I mean, Miami's underwhelmed. And, like, he's in that same group as, like, the Julius Randles, Vucevic, Sabonis, uh, a number of bigs, Jeremy Grant, too, for that matter. But Bam, I just think, has been the best overall of them. Yeah, he's a, he's the best two-way player. I also feel like his team hasn't played that well. They've missed Butler, but the shooters haven't. They, that's a team that, if the shooters got hot, I could see him ripping off some... 22, 13, and 11s type stuff. Oh, yeah. And his right. shot, his, his shot's gotten better, too, from the perimeter. He's he's improved as a player since the bubble. So we have, now now it starts to get dicey. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a case for Simmons really quick. Kyle, you might have to tell the video crew, get the fucking, get the fucking <laughs> social breakout ready. Ben Simmons averaging 14, 8, and 8 this year. 56% field goal. Uh, really frustrating player offensively to watch. There are games when you're just like, that guy doesn't look like he knows where to go. With that said, him guarding LeBron 
as well as I've seen every, and LeBron had a good game. He had 34 points, but what Ben Simmons was doing physically hanging with LeBron and really making him work in a way that really in the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, it's only been Kawhi and Durant that you've seen really make him work like that on that end. And then to watch him a couple days ago, defend Dame Lillard like he did in that Portland game. And you, and you're thinking like, this is the best possible person to guard Dame Lillard. How is this possible? I don't know. I didn't even really fully understand. He's picking him up basically at mid court. And it seems like he's going to force like a backcourt violation or a steal. Crazy. He's got length. Dame was like, what? Six for 22 or whatever. He completely took him out of the game. And I was like, not only is this the best defensive guy in the league, what are the list of guys who could guard LeBron and Dame in the span of three weeks at the highest possible level in the league? It's basically like I was I was texting with a friend about it. If you're talking six, nine and above, with that that rules out Kawhi, that rules out all those dudes. It's basically like KG. It's Bill Russell. Like Ben Simmons is six ten. After I saw that, I'm like, Ben Simmons is on the all-star team. So that's my case. I have him on there too. And with Ben Simmons, you mentioned the offense. The argument, the argument against Ben Simmons is simple. He takes only 9.8 shots per game. He's possessing the ball a little bit less than he ever has before. He's not scoring as much. He's screening off ball. I mean, sometimes it feels like Ben Simmons is lost in the shuffle. I think it's actually a nice thing to see him screening more often. He's helping free open teammates offensively. But defensively, the level he's reached, Bill, it blows me away. Like watching this guy at LSU when he didn't care when he was lazy and people question his character and his work ethic and love for the game. And to see the player that he has turned into where there's a legitimate argument that he could be a defensive player of the year. This he season is for me. I'll tell you right now, 30 games, uh, 28 games in he's, he's my number one right I, now. I have Rudy Gobert right now, but Ben Simmons would be in my top three at the moment. He's just been a remarkable defensive player with his versatility. There's a stat on bballindex.com that measures matchup versatility. And last time I checked, he ranked, I think third in the NBA in terms of uh, defending across positions mm. and never mind the fact he's taking on those opposing stars He's the most versatile defender in the league, if not the best defender in the league. I'd say Rudy Gobert is right now, but Simmons is remarkable. And you mentioned the offense. One stat I looked at before we got on today, Bill, was, you know, I, I saw some numbers about how the Sixers shoot threes when he's on the court versus off the court, specifically with his own passes. When he passes the ball to his teammates and they shoot a three, they're, they're hitting 42% of those threes. Everybody else on the team off of team passes is shooting 33% on threes. Uh, is that small sample size? Maybe, but uh, I think more likely than anything else, it's somebody who it's evidence of his ability to create quality shots for his teammates. It's something he's always been able to do. The statistics have always sort of correlated with that number, but he is one of the big reasons why the Sixers are better at generating those open shots this season. So even though yeah. it doesn't necessarily pop up in the numbers, He's still making an offensive impact. And quite frankly, as somebody who's criticized his lack of his lack of a jumper since before he was in the NBA, right now we are seeing the best version of Ben Simmons that we have ever seen right now. And the other thing with him, I just like having him out there in the last five minutes of a game. And they they're they're fortunate now because I think the Seth Curry trade has given them kind of this wild card guy who can actually create a shot or come off a pick or whatever. But ultimately, Embiid's averaging 30 a game. 
He's one of the best players in the league. He's playing great game after game after game. And Harris is a really good second scorer. You have that that lineup they have that's doing really well with uh, advanced metrics where they play Embiid, Harris, Curry, Green, Simmons. They don't need Simmons' offense with that lineup. What they need is all the other stuff he does. Like his ability to be like, who's the best player on the other team? I got him. Um, the, the, the weird last minute of the game stuff, like he, he has this surreal ability to like grab the biggest free throw rebound to get his hand on a pass when you need it the most. I think that stuff really matters to me. And I, I really feel like the stats are great. I looked at all of them when I was trying to figure out who I wanted to pick. There's some really good ones now. I like the Raptor stat. It's good. It's, it's in the ballpark for where it needs to be, but there's, there's something different with this Simmons thing that if you're not watching the games, there's an extra element to him that nobody else has. And to me, it's like Kawhi Leonard, Scottie Pippen, Simmons. I, I feel like he's gotten onto that level now as a perimeter guy. I really feel like he's that good. I was absolutely blown away by the Dame thing. I, I thought it was my yeah. favorite moment of the season. I couldn't believe it. I don't think Dame could believe it. <laughs> I think Dame was like, what the fuck is going on? This guy's 6'10". I can't go by him. And then yeah. if I get an edge on him, he can still reach up and block my shot. So anyway, here's my other point. Kyle, I hope the camera's still going. I'm sorry if I'm trading James Harden. I want I want the known quantity. Give me Ben Simmons over all these picks that I don't know what they're going to be. Give me the guy who I who can actually like be a guy who could be one of the best two guys on a title team because I think he can. Big and right now he looks like it. Right now he does look like it. Would you rather add all the picks they got or Ben Simmons and Thibault and and maybe a first? I mean, I still think all those picks set you up to do whatever you want in the near future in terms of getting that next star player. Ben Simmons, the, the flaw with the lack of a jumper is still something we could see pop up in the postseason. I and mean, we're going to see how teams defend and adjust to the Sixers at that point. But I do think Ben Simmons has made up for that deficiency with everything else. I mean, he's doing the little things this year, Bill. You mentioned all the defense, like the screening off ball. Sometimes if he, in the past, when he was hovering off ball, you'd see him just stand in the dunker spot and not yeah. do anything. It was like four on five at times. But now he's setting like little rub screens to open up space for Tyree, Tyrese Maxey to catch the ball and shoot for three or attack a closeout or for Seth Curry to get open. He's doing those little things that he didn't do in the past that help make up when a shooter I mean, when he's in, when you have an ineffective shooter on the court and Ben Simmons deserves a heck of a lot of credit for doing that because that that takes commitment uh, and a will to do all those little things. And I think in the past, he didn't see himself as that player. I know a couple of years back, he had that quote with Jackie McMullen where, you know, he, he said, I'm paraphrasing here, but I see myself as a point guard. I see myself as a guy bringing the ball up the floor. I feel like he's realized for him to be the best player that he can be without a jump shot it's to do all the little stuff. It's everything else. And he's fully embraced that. And I hope he gets rewarded with an all-star spot because he's totally deserving to me. Me too. And I was surprised other people were leaving him off. It's funny. You know, my daughter plays high forward in soccer and there's a lot that goes in that position. It's really complicated, but you know, once you kind of figure out everything and you get the landscape of it, one of the things, and it, and it's a skill in its own right is, just kind of being up to stuff to be like a split second ahead to anticipate when things are going to happen and just keep your legs moving and just be ready to pounce. You never know when a ball is going to get deflected, whatever. And you ha almost have to train yourself when you're playing, you know, to, to, 
to just be kind of on the prowl almost. And we always used to compare it to my old dog, Rufus, who's died six years ago. But anytime somebody was making food, Rufus was in the kitchen and he's looking around and he's just waiting. Like <laughs> they might look away. I'm going to jump on it. Uh, I'm going to jump it up. I'm going to grab the burger or somebody might drop something. I'm on it. He was just pr on the prowl. And we would always talk with soccer, like be like Rufus, be like Rufus, be on the prowl. <laughs> and I think with, with, with Simmons, it reminds me of those conversations with my daughter about like, he's just, he's figured out, like, I'm probably not going to have an impact offensively but I'm up to stuff. My legs are moving. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about, I'm doing, I'm ready to crash the board. I'm ready to make a back cut. I'm, I'm going to set a screen. I, anything, I'm just going to do stuff. Last year, I didn't feel like he was like that. I don't feel like he knew where he fit in. And this year I feel like he knows. And maybe this is what he is. Maybe he's a guy who's like 14, 10 and nine, but defensively, he's going to be the best player in the league. He should still switch shooting hands, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, take a, we'll take a break on that note. Uh, we'll back in one second. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside. LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. All right. Two spots left in the East. It's there's a lot of good players in the East this year. I do feel like the East Loaded. has swung the talent battle with between uh Hart and Durant and Kyrie staying. Um, it just feels like they have more talent than the than the West does. I, I had I had 25 players that I considered in the East for 12 spots. So who do you have in your guys. last two? Give them to me. So in my last two, I have Zach Levine from the Bulls. And then God, you're, you're such it, a stucker for cheap sets. <laughs> really? And you're going to love this other one. We've worked together five years. I just can't break you. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to love this one too. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Come on, Bill. 50, 40, 90, averaging 28 points, six assists. I know he took a little bit of time off, Bill. I know he did. I know he did. So Vooch is but, out for you. He's out right now, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Make the Kyrie case. Let's hear it. 50, 40, 90, averaging 28 points per game, per game, six assists, having one of the most potent seasons of his entire career. It's like I said earlier, Bill, this is the all-star game. Got to put the best players in. And Kyrie Irving is having one of the best seasons. He took a little time away. He did his thing. But I can't keep Kyrie Irving off the team with the level that he's producing on the court. He's been really unbelievable. You're not going to believe this. Tougher one. You don't have Kyrie or do you? I actually had him. Wow. Had him. 
No, I had him in one of the last two spots for all the reasons you just said. Okay. All right. To me, the penalty is you're not a starter, but ultimately it's the all-star game. Yeah. And every year there's, I don't know, 12 to 16 to 20 guys who knows year to year that just, it feels weird if they're not at the all-star game. And Kyrie is on that list. I, you know, I still don't know what happened where he left the team. I don't know if he was, he's never really talked about it. Um, I don't know if maybe he was at least a little bit worried they were going to try to trade him. I don't know. He hasn't, he hasn't really opened up about it, but he came back and he's been awesome. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. And I think he also deserves credit for accepting the off ball role. I mean, he's given up the ball to James Harden, let him run the show and that willingness to sacrifice perhaps individual numbers or just handling the ball and feeling in control, in control, I think does deserve some praise considering the fact that everybody said, well, there's only one ball. How are these guys going to coexist? Well, it's no different than any other group of superstars we've seen. It requires sacrifice, and he has been willing to not handle the ball quite as much as he did before. So, you know, credit to him for that. But, you know, that time off, that, that'll that hurt, I'm sure, in terms of some coaches. Like like you said earlier, the head coaches are the ones who determine the reserves, not media or players or fans. Uh, we just do the starters. But I am going to be curious to see how head coaches handle that because – there's so many guys like like we only mentioned Jeremy Grant in passing earlier. You can make arguments for Sabonis, Gordon Hayward, Julius Randle. Jeremy Lucevich, Grant, his, his 2011 Dirk <laughs> offense of game, his high post game that came out of nowhere. Oh, man. It's crazy to watch Grant right now. So I have Kyrie as 11. And He's then uh, I couldn't put Trey on there, especially because the team's not winning. That team has a lot of talent. And it, he's... It's almost like when my dad always makes a joke about how in a like in a movie, or like that guy was in a different movie than everybody else. I'm still not sure Trey's in the same movie that his <laughs> teammates are in. There's he's doing whatever he's doing. And sometimes it, it just seems like, and I know he's getting assist numbers and stuff like that, but that team feels discombobulated to me for how much how good their offense is. And then defensively, he's a nightmare. It's a weird, weird team. I I had Trey Young penciled into one of the last shots. At last spots at one point, then removed him for Zach Levine. But with Trey putting up numbers and he deserves a little bit of blame. Like we're not seeing him excel off ball in the way you might have hoped when they sign Gallinari and Bogdanovich and Rondo and all these other guys who can handle the ball. When they have Kevin Herter who can pass and create a little bit for you. But the thing is, is like that whole roster has been decimated by injury. Bogdanovich has missed a lot of time. Gallinari has missed time. He has not looked as good since he returned. They have guys who can create a little bit but aren't primary options for you, like Kevin Herter. They have guys who theoretically could be creators but aren't right now, like Cam Reddish. They have guys who look pretty close to retirement. I hate to say it, but like Rajon Rondo. He does not even look as good as he did last season with the Lakers. So, like, Trey Young is, has got to do it. I feel like they're a middling offense right now, not not in spite of him but because of him. Well, they have the he, weird co- – the Collins thing is weird because he'll just have the – if you catch him on the right night, it looks like he's a top 20 guy. He's fun. Explosive. And then there's other nights where you're like, I don't know how this guy – I can't see this guy on a really good team in June for the finals. Um, My sixth guy, you're going to be a little surprised. So I, it's not Vucevic because I just feel like most, I know he's been good and I know he doesn't have teammates, but I just feel like any good player can put up 23 and whatever on a bad team, which is very similar to the Jeremy Grant thing. 
To me, it comes down to Hayward and Holiday. Ah, okay. Hayward's been really, really good and yeah. important for Charlotte, who I think has been the league pass uh, uh, unexpected underrated MVP of the year. They just lost tonight. But um, he's just been the guy we were waiting to see in Boston. And I know if, if you're going to do stats against stats, he's not going to win. But there's a maturity to his game and a confidence that was just not there in Boston. And then he's got a bunch of wild cards on his team, right? Like Rogier had 41 points the other night. LaMelo, you never know. LaMelo could look incredible one night, not the next. Devontae Graham, who the hell knows what's going on with him? Ma can come off the bench. <laughs> there, there's just all this chaos, but he's kind of the 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 center of it. He's, he's a stabilizer he's for them. He's 20, 21, yeah. five and five. You can go to him at the end of the games. And that team's a playoff team to me. So I, I was looking at either him um, Sabonis, I had locked in and I just feel like he's been too up and down. He slipped a little bit since yeah, that Oladipo. Yeah, slipped, right? But both, both him and Brogdon, their numbers have dipped quite a bit ever since the Oladipo trade. And obviously yeah. with Levert, you hope he'll be okay. Um, but with Levert not playing, not having that ball handler presence has hurt both of them. With Zach Levine, I, I feel like, you know, I think Hayward's a good pick and I mean, well, I, I had one, No, I had one more. I, the, oh, let me give you the more. other one. Oh, you're yeah. on the wild card. Okay. Hayward or... Okay. Drew Holiday. Or Drew Holiday. That's right. Okay. So I think I'm going to take Drew Holiday as my 12th because of the two-way stuff. Um, you could feel his, when they didn't have him the last two games, you could, they just felt like a completely different team. He does so many good things for them. Most important at the end of these games, they're going to end up playing Brooklyn at some point. And he can actually, you know, defend Kyrie or Harden. He can, he can take either of those guys. There's just his versatility defensively. And, uh, I just have really enjoyed watching him play on a good team. So I, I'm probably leaning toward him, but, um, I guess I have to make my pick now. So I'm going to pick holiday slightly over Hayward. That's fair. Uh, I think either of those guys are very deserving, but you know, so I have Zach Levine as my 12th player right now, averaging 28, five and five with ludicrous scoring efficiency. I, He's somebody I've ripped on podcasts with Chris Vernon a lot over the years for his yeah. her- horrific defense in the past and unwillingness to commit to playmaking. But I mean, I got to give credit where it's due. I think he's at least tried on defense. He's still not like a, a plus necessarily, but he's a, a, you know, he's an average defender at this point. And then as a playmaker, he's definitely shown a commitment to doing that. He's having the best passing season of his career. In addition, to just being ridiculous scoring the ball for the Bulls. But, you know, I do, I have him there. But in some ways, I feel thankful to not be the one actually deciding this as a head coach because like, there's a lot of high-level scorers this year. This season, there's 41 players averaging over 20 points per game, up from 35 last year, more than, I believe, in every season of NBA history. So you can find scoring right now in the NBA, and I wonder if maybe instead for like all-star, maybe it shouldn't be as much about scoring and you know the the dazzling players and more about those little things. Like you mentioned with Drew Holiday. Right. Maybe we should be looking more for those guys that check a Thanks, lot more KSC. boxes. Thanks for making so my point, Casey. I'm just playing devil's advocate with myself here because you know I have Levine there in that spot and he will be there when the article goes up tomorrow. But you know, there's a lot of high-level scorers right now in the NBA. And maybe it's these other guys, even like somebody like Jeremy Grant. I feel bad not having him on my all-star team right now. He, Even though Detroit stinks, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Grant is not the reason for that. He's still been really good defensively as an individual defender, just like he was in the past with Denver. 
He's been solid passing the ball, obviously scoring like crazy for mid-range, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. He checks more boxes. And I wonder if maybe those guys aren't he doesn't being pass my or, He doesn't pass my this guy would seem fun to play with test. Not right now. Not with the way they're playing. He's just, if he has the ball over half court, it's going up. I mean, He's who like, else are they giving it to? Not <laughs> <that> Blake Griffin. <laughs> I mean, sad to say. I mean, poor Blake. I, I can't believe Blake the Blake right Griffin. Now. Did you see he hasn't dunked in over a year? <sighs> It, it's Jesus. it's depressing. I mean, like you mentioned in passing earlier, how he's the type of guy that shows you can age well without athleticism. He actually did for a little while. He was awesome before that last major. Yeah, but do you see him? Had. It looks like he's right on now, one leg now. Yes, it, but right, I mean, he's it, like literally limping now. It's that one too many injuries that yeah. he had that just. I mean, it sucks to watch him. Well, there's I, hope because we said the same thing about Gronk, right? We were like, he's had one too many injuries, <laughs> and now Gronk's a Super Bowl champ, and hey, you never and know. the whole thing. Uh, all right. We're going to uh, tackle the West. Yeah, let's let's do this. Let's do this one question, and then we can take a break. Cool. Pick two starters for me between Curry, Dame, and Luca. I have Curry as a lock, hundred percent, no brainer. He's having basically the equivalent to the fifteen sixteen season in terms of production. It's, dude's incredible. Um, I originally had Damian Lillard as that second guard, but I'm over the weekend doing my research. I'm going to lean towards Luca. Scoring output between those two is pretty, pretty close to equal. Luca has been a more impactful defensive player than Dame, uh, partially just because he's bigger, can make more of an impact. And he's just been a more dynamic playmaker as well for the Mavericks. And I, like this season, the, the standings are so crunched and we're voting earlier than we normally do. Normally votes are due when over half the season is done. The season is due of like about 37% of season games have been completed, scheduled games. So, which stinks. So, yeah, it stinks. But also, like, the standings are so close together. I'm not really looking at if a team's a four seed versus a nine or right now. It's just the games are like there's two, three games separating them right now. Can you see that? I I can't see that. I had you got Luca. I had Luca. I see. I had Luca and Curry. It's really close. You know what pushed over the top for me? His rebounding, which I think is the rebounding too. Yep. It's not just like you could look at it and be like, oh, he's 28, 99. He gets good rebounds. He gets yeah. big rebounds in traffic late in games. You know, he doesn't like pad his stats. He's not jumping in off free throws, trying to get like the two extras so he can get the triple double. But he's got more <laughs> he's not size going than for you the think. Westbrook, you're saying? Yeah, going for the Westbrook. <laughs> um, I also. I haven't loved how he's played this year. I don't totally blame him because I think some people didn't realize the season was going to start as soon as it did. And he's admitted that his team's not very good. And I think out of anybody who got crushed by COVID injuries, stuff like that, that team was in the top three. And I don't know if they had a lot of talent to begin with. You know, if if you're talking about Porzingis being 80 to 90% what he used to be, and then you go down the rest of the roster, it's pretty rough. I'm in a salary cap league with my buddy Chris Chen. And there's Mavs. Like, it's I like, do love, we want Chris Dor- Chen? Good yeah. yeah. Do we want Dorian <laughs> Finney Smith? He's only four, $4 million. Yeah, grab him. And then you have him. And it's like, Dorian Smith, Finney Smith played 35 minutes last night. He scored five points. We got to wave him. But they, their whole team is full of these guys that they're, it's a little like the Celtics supporting cast where you just don't know what you're getting night to night, you know? And I do think they miss Seth Curry. I, I I really wonder what well, Richard's saying if this is just kind of who he is. Whether I did all the research, I talked about this on a previous pod. He had a really hot two month hot streak in Miami where he's like 21 a game. Other than that, this is who he is. He's between 13 and 15 a game. He's not a lights out three point shooter. 
um, has a tendency to do dumb stuff near the end of games, which, you know, he's a frustrating player. So I don't really know what their move is. And I feel bad for Luca because this, you know, every year is a window. And I don't feel like this team has a chance to compete for a title with the cast they have. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, you mentioned Josh Richardson, and he's not the same guy. You don't have guys shooting the ball as well as they did last season. Dorian Finney-Smith, his numbers are down. It's down across the roster from three-point land for them. It still comes down to KP. We've seen some flashes from KP this past week against some you know not-so-good teams, but if KP's able to get back and string together some games like we saw over the last 20 25 games before the hiatus they 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 have a chance to make a deep run if you have those two guys but can kp stay healthy can he sustain that can he maintain that level of production that's been my question with him ever since the knicks made that deal with dallas and well and I, the other I've seen, thing is i've seen little reason to believe he will yeah there's that and then there's the little nagging thing of like how <clears throat> crucial jalen brunson is to this team which is just weird <laughs> they kind Solid of really player they kind of like really need him to do well <laughs> in certain teams. Yeah. They desperately need somebody to kind of give them what Seth Curry gave them last year. And also like the fact that Kleber came back. They're like, Kleber's back. Love like, Kleber. Right, it's Maxi Kleber. No, I like him too, but it's like, this isn't, <laughs> your season hasn't changed because Maxi Kleber came back. All right. So we have for the West starters, LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic, I assume yeah. you have, and then Luke and Curry. Yeah. So we agree yeah. on those five. Yep. All right. We'll take a break. We'll talk about the rest of the West. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. going to start wearing shorts. going to start wearing bathing suits. Just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve. And what you already excel in, and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, locks for the West. I'm sure we both have Dame. Yes. I'm sure we both have Paul George, who's been really good this year. Yep. Anthony Davis, I think, gets in just for legacy, but uh, he's left me a little cold this year. He's he's a lock. He's still a lock for me. He's a lock for me, too. It's just a little cold. Yeah, the offense isn't the same, but it's still one of the main reasons why the Lakers have the number one defense in basketball. It, why even while their offense is sluggish this past week or so, they're still <laughs> have won every game is because yeah. of their defense. And AD has a heck of a lot to do, the, do with that. So same page there. Gobert? Gobert, yes. Okay, all right. I think he has to be in. Because that team has been awesome. And whether, uh, amazing. 
whether they end up being the rabbit this season, I guess we'll find out because we have this team. There's a team every year that first 50 games, they look awesome. And then you kind of look back and go, hey, remember sure. when that team was awesome for the first 50 games? Mm -hmm. But Bear looks awesome. Yeah, I wonder like with the COVID stuff last year and the Mitchell and it seemed like they're going to trade him. Um, on the one hand, it's like, wow, he's really got a fire this year. And then on the other hand, you look at his stats and they're the, exactly the same as they always are. But I just feel like this team has been together long enough that in a league where everybody switches teams, it's weirdly an advantage to just be like, yeah, we've had the same team for three years <laughs> or two years. Like, yeah. hey, everybody's back. Cool. Uh, they have a know-how with each other. And the fact that Conley's been so much better this season has kind of pushed it over the top. They're really fun to watch. They're a really good professional basketball team. It feels like every single night they have a passing highlight or a defensive rotation that just makes you go, wow. Like this team is just connected on another level, the way they yeah. play on both ends. And it goes back to what we talked about with the Celtics, right? Where it doesn't feel like a cohesive team. It's a team that when they fall down by 12, I don't, not necessarily certain yeah. they're going to come back. And that Utah team is really locked in. They really believe they're good. And then at the end of these games, they can ratchet it up on defense. The Clarkson thing, I, I got to be honest. I did not see the Clarkson. He's actually better than a heat check guy now. He, he's my sixth man of the year right now. Yeah. I'd I, did, I didn't one. think he would ever be this good. And I don't know. Was there any signs of this at any point in his career? I mean, he's shown flashes, but never, never like this. Never like this. And, and I think it's really cool the way Quinn Snyder has utilized all those guards. You mentioned Mike Conley being back, and I'm sure we'll talk about him as a potential all-star, but like Quinn Snyder is keeping two of those three guards on the court for eight out of 10 of every minute, you know, 80% yeah. of the time, two of them are on the court and that's very rare to have that level of creation on there. So they don't have a, they don't have a Dame. They don't have a Harden. They don't have that top 10 level shot creator on your team, but they do have three guys that you can rely on to create a shot for you. In addition to like Bogdanovich and Ingles on the team who can in a pinch too. So I wonder if maybe the, the collective of all those guys together can be enough in the postseason. Like, I think there's a chance. There's a chance at least that they could be an upset team in the postseason over the Lakers or Clippers. And even if they, if they hold on to the one seed, if the Lakers and Clippers fall into two and three in some order, you don't have to face either of those teams until the Western Conference Finals. You don't have to get through both of them. You just have to get through one of them. One seven-game series for a chance to get to the finals. It's an awesome point. It, yeah, yeah. They're right now they're 22 and five. Lakers are 21 and six. I'm with you. That's a team that could actually get the one seed because they're a little like those mid-90s jazz teams, ironically, where they're a really good regular season team. You know, in, in a weird season that the protocols... Paolo Getty wrote a really good piece for us uh, on The Ringer about, really good. Yeah. about how stressful it's been for the organizations. And I think the better your chemistry is, the better the familiarity is, it allows you to block out some of this other stuff, right? And Utah is the unexpected team for that. We knew like the Lakers would have an advantage because the way LeBron can, and all the stuff from last year that they there would be a cohesiveness with them. Milwaukee, I guess. Um, but I wasn't expecting it with the Jazz, especially after the way they fell last year. And it just seemed like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, what is this team? Conley, they're stuck with for one more year. I, I certainly didn't expect them to make a leap. They were having issues with Mitchell and Gobert. <laughs> Did they have to trade one of them? No, totally fine. And the other thing, you mentioned the one seed. If we do have fans this summer, that's going to oh, really help them. yeah. That'll Big help time. them. If you look at the teams in the West, it's going to help them the most. It'll help the Lakers. 
it'll help Portland. Phoenix, eh. And in Denver, I, the altitude is going to help them more than the fans probably. But um, yeah, so I have we have Gobert. I have Zion as my tenth guy. For this reason, you mentioned earlier, it is the All Star game. <laughs> his stats, his stats are good enough to get him in. I think the last three weeks he's been really fun to watch. Um, he's, I allow myself the one guy on a bad team every year for a pick. But I don't feel like they're necessarily a bad, bad team. They're 11-14. They're only one game out of a playoff spot. So it's not like picking Jeremy Grant. Well, th- that's know? why with the standings, it's like in two weeks when the All-Star game's actually being played, New Orleans could be like the five seed <laughs> right. at that point, you know? Um, just would be fun to have him. And in general, he's, you know, I led the pod with him on Thursday. He's been one of the five most fascinating guys to watch on League Pass. i He's so unique. He is such like a one-on-one. It's been, uh, it's, it's been really fun to watch them try to figure out how to use him. And I don't think they figured it out yet. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're starting to though. They are starting yep. to, I mean, offensively you have Van Gundy putting the ball in his hands more often, running a lot more pick and roll than they did early in the season and definitely way more than last season when he was basically a post player. So you are seeing the evolution there. And I think in recent weeks, I don't have Zion or Ingram on my team. And it kind of pains me not to have Zion on there. I just put some guys who I think have been better defensively, but we have seen more effort from him on defense and people have ripped him so hard, but like it's, it's tough for young players to come into the league. He still played under 50 games in his career and we're seeing incremental progress from him in terms of learning rotations and being at the right place. But I still don't think he's where he needs to be. There's still a lot of frequent errors. Uh, Like there was like one play last week, against the Dallas Mavericks where him and one of his teammates, he was hedging on a pick and roll and Lucas started to turn the corner before Lonzo ball recovered and Zion just kind of scooted out of the way when it was yep. very clear that he should maintain position there instead of getting back to Maxi Kleba. It's like little things like that, that hurt your team and put them into defensive rotation that end up resulting like in drawn fouls or made baskets and Zion will get better. And I believe he will. Cause he wants to get better at it. He's one of those guys who's geared like that, but I couldn't put him on my team yet, but he's close. The reason I put him on, other than I do think that he at least has the stats to be strongly considered, is just I didn't feel like they were great candidates after that top nine. Because we're, we're going to tie, you have to take one of the Utah guards, and we're about to litigate yeah. that. And then after that, you get into DeRozan. I'm not picking Christian Wood. DeRozan, SGA. Hasn't played enough, and he's hurt right now. CP3, maybe Fox. Everyone, uh, CJ and Ja got hurt. So for me, it's like, I just want to see Zion in the all-star game. Like, shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's done just enough. I'm putting him in. All right. Conley versus Mitchell. Who do you have? I have Mitchell in there. I have Mitchell in there and it, it hurts. I mean, I I feel bad. I mean, I love Mike Conley, but I've never really been like the sentimental type when it comes to basketball (laughs) in terms of giving him, giving him a spot because he's never made it. I just think Mitchell's been the better player, and he's played a pivotal role for Utah. You have Conley talked about this with Zach Lowe on Friday's mismatch, and we've talked a lot about Conley's minutes are paired with Gobert. He's played like 85, 90% of his minutes with him. But that means Mitchell's been the guy who's had to play a lot without Gobert. He's played 40% 40 of his minutes without Gobert, and he's helped stabilize that team. I mean, it's one of the reasons why they're still winning games even when Gobert is off the court. And I think Mitchell's done a good job at playing more off ball. You're seeing more spot up threes from him. You're seeing smarter decisions, less pull up twos. 
I love the way Mitchell's playing, even though it still feels like he's underwhelmed compared to what we saw in the first round. I mean, expectations were so high after the bubble. He hasn't met that, obviously, considering he's dropping 50-plus points. But he's still been really, really good for Utah, so I give him the edge over Conley. But it's close. I have Mitchell as well. First of all, do you have, do you have Conley on it? We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. He's 24 a game. He does have the load of if they're playing any good team in the last five minutes, he's the guy who has to create this stuff. He, he is. It, ultimately, if it's superstar versus superstar, he's their superstar. And I think that team's playing really well, and he should get credit for that. The Conley thing, I, I couldn't get past. He's playing 29 minutes a game, right? And as you said, he's getting matched with Gobert pretty much that whole time. And he's played really well. All the advanced stats are bonkers for him, but the advanced stats are bonkers for a lot of guys in this team. I just think Mitchell's more important to them. He is. If Conley got hurt for three weeks, they'd patch it together. They'd survive. If Mitchell got hurt, they'd be in trouble at the end of these games. Who's their crunch time guy? How are you creating a shot? Now now it's Mike Conley. That's the guy who's creating shots mm-hmm. unless Clarkson can get hot or whatever. I don't know. I just think Mitchell's more important. He is. And um, like if, if Mitchell were the overthink. guy... If Mitchell were the guy paired with Gobert, like his numbers, his scoring efficiency would be significantly higher than it is because he's playing so much without him that's hurting his numbers. But it's what the team needs in order to survive those non-Gobert minutes. I, I just feel like Mitchell has gone sort of underrated this season for that reason with the, in terms of how he's adapted uh, to what he needs to do for that team to be as amazing as they've been. Because they, they've been awesome, Bill. Like, they've been awesome. They've been they, awesome. They killed the Celtics when... It was a tight game, tight game, tight game. And then they just had a, a gear that the Celtics didn't have. Um, They've all and that in. was every And there's been other moments like that too. But it's in these fourth quarters, they really have a gear. And here, here's the other thing. I've heard a lot of people talk about Mike Conley. It'd be so nice if he got in the All-Star game. He deserves it. A, it's not a career achievement award. I'm sorry. We've gotten into a lot of <laughs> problems with the Oscars <laughs> and the Emmys and the Grammys and even all NBA and stuff like that, like thinking about somebody's career versus the year. We're supposed to vote on the year. Donovan Mitchell is more important than Mike Conley. That's one thing. Second thing, I think it's better for Mike Conley if he never makes an all-star team because <laughs> who was the best guy to ever make an all-star team for Mike Conley? I don't even know, but yeah. I know it would be Mike Conley going forward for the rest no of eternity. Yeah. He would live on. Yeah. If he makes the all-star team, it's like, whatever. He was this point guard, he ne- you know, never played in the finals and he made an all-star team. Great. Now he has this whole thing. He'd be, we'd be always be talking about, oh, you don't want to end up like Mike Conley. <laughs> So I hope he doesn't make it. I haven't thought about that. That's a really good point with, with Conley. I mean, he, I mean, Chris Vernon talked about how Conley is like somebody who wants it. He wants it badly in yeah. his career. He wants to be an all-star, but th- th- that's a good way to look at it. If you're him and if you don't make it, because the thing is, is if you are giving it to Conley for sentimental reasons, as like a career achievement spot. You're taking that away from somebody else who is more deserving or are at least arguably more deserving who like maybe the cycle continues 10 years from now. We're talking about De'Aaron Fox has never made an all-star team because Mike Conley right. made it many moons ago. I He's mean, the new not, Mike Conley. Uh, not Mike that Conley Fox 2. is that 0. guy, but yeah, or John Morant, you know, if he had, he stayed healthy. Hey, voters, save your career achievement stuff for when we give LeBron the MVP this year, even though he's <laughs> having his worst season in six years, statistically. <laughs> save it for that. <laughs> uh, for my... Uh, for my 12th spot, 
I can't believe people are are even debating this. This is so dumb for me. I, I actually, w- I should have had him in the 10 spot, but to build drama, I wanted to get Zion out of the way. Chris Paul. Yeah, I got Chris Paul too. I do. What the fuck? What are we doing, everybody? Yeah. Chris Paul's <laughs> on the All-Star team. First of all, he's Chris Paul. It's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. First of all, he's one of the, you know, best 35, 40 players we've ever had. More importantly, Phoenix is like a borderline contender where... I think they could make the West finals if they caught a couple breaks, you know, an injury, if they make one trade, Rob Mahoney and I talked about that on Thursday. That doesn't happen if they don't make that trade. The way that whole team has become an extension of him, the pace they play at, at crunch time, they're excellent because he's doing everything and running everything. And he's still, you know, one of the best 15, 17, 18 players in the league. Mm. So to me, it's like, what are we talking about? SGA, all these dudes? No, it's Chris Paul. What do you got? Thank you, Bill. I'm I'm glad we agree on that. I I'm very happy because I feel like Chris Paul's name has been weirdly absent in the entire All Star conversation. 17 points, eight assists, possessing the ball more than anybody on that team, and he he's he's the reason why they've taken that leap. And I do think with Phoenix, him and Booker will only get better together as the year goes on. Like those two guys are still building chemistry and feeling each other out, but you can see it getting better as the year progresses. So I think those two guys are by playoff time, hopefully going to be clicking on all cylinders. Cause right now the team's been at its best with one of them on the court, not both. Um, but I, I, Chris Paul's a deserving all-star and I have him in as a wild card right now. The one guy we didn't mention Bill, that yeah. is my kind of, you know, young player on bad team, as you mentioned, I, I didn't think I was going to have him until I really dove deep. Shea Gildas Alexander. Yeah. Okay. I had him written down too. Yep. SGA. I mean, he is putting up numbers this year. He's he has a, over a 60% true shooting on the year, averaging 23 points per game. Shea Gildas Alexander's just been really on both ends of the court, more than some of these other guards, more than DeRozan, more than Darren Fox, been a two-way presence. And like I don't think that's reflected in like defensive rating or any advanced stats because it's so heavily weighed by team performance. But like watch SGA, like put on a Thunder game, like like put on League Pass one night. SGA is always around the ball and he's yeah. always making proper defensive rotations and doing the little things on the team. And then like offensively, he's gotten even better. Like last year with Chris Paul and Schroeder and all those guys, we saw like flashes of what he was. We saw flashes during his rookie season with the Clippers, but he's made a leap, man. Like with his ability to get to the basket and kind of weasel his way there with his long arms and kind of odd frame, he can score for you. He's getting to the, he's driving to the rim more than anybody in the league, even more than Luca, number one in the league in drives per game. It's, it's kind of kind of crazy, and, and like it's because of just his feel for the game. And he's another one of those guys where if his teammates were actually hitting shots, you'd see those assist numbers go from six point five per game up to like eight. I mean, he's generating good opportunities for his teammates. I, I've been blown away by SGA, and I have him as an all-star. Because like I said with Zion earlier, I feel bad not having him. But SGA has just been a better two-way presence. Um, and so I've given him the nod there. God, I think you might have swayed me. I might bump Zion now and have <laughs> SGA as my 12th. That was a really good case. Because you're right. I just... I basically had Zion just because his stats were good, and I just wanted to see him in the all-star game. I do, and too. And he's not Zach Levine. <laughs> But you're right, Shay's <laughs> Shay's uh Shay's been really good. I think what stuck out to me this year compared to last, I thought he was bad in the bubble. Yeah, he was. He was overwhelmed. It felt like first big taste of the big stage. And I didn't feel like he came through the way they needed him to. And it was one of the reasons they lost. 
this year he's in complete control of that team. I mean, he got his masters at Chris Paul school. That obviously oh, yeah. <laughs> I talked to Mahoney about whether they would trade him to basically No. no. Well, no, Bill. No. And the Thunder fans got mad no. at me. But here's why they I brought that have. up though. They should get pissed off at you for that. No. Yeah, but here here's why I brought that up though. We do have a history of teams that wanted to really blow the fucking thing up to do a trade like that. That's what, that's what, uh, Sam Hinkie did with Drew Holiday and Drew Holiday was probably 90% as good as SGA was. But when they traded Drew Holiday for the, what was it? The sixth and the 11th or whatever it was, or the 11th and a future first. And people are like, what are you doing? If you're rebuilding, why wouldn't you keep this young guy? Who's like an amazing asset, but he didn't care. He just wanted all the picks and all the shots. SGA does hurt their pick right now. And that was the only reason I brought that up. I don't think they're going to trade him, but I also, I wouldn't be shocked if you, if they traded him no for way. some giant packets or picks, I wouldn't be like blown away by it. Cause I think certain franchises look at this. Like we just want to be as bad as possible. We don't care. I, I mean, even with SGA as good as he is, they're still only three games back from having top lottery odds. And right. like I feel like you you could simply rest SGA with some phantom. Oh, he turned his ankle injury at the end of the season. If you really want to You're tank right. a couple of games at the end of the no, year, you know what they could do? Like, they could play your guy Poku thirty five minutes a game <laughs> if they really want to lose. Put Poku in <laughs> your guy P Poku man. I mean, it, it's been a rough start for him. It's been rough. I'm Not working on a pilot now. right now for ABC where it's Poku and Mo Bamba, and you're living with them <laughs> as their ment as their life mentor, trying to turn their careers around, <laughs> rebounding for them. Hey, I mean, hey, with the Orlando, I'm all I'm all open to trading Vucevic to, to get Mo Bamba some minutes. Gotta give Mo Bamba a chance. Would you yeah. see Kevin Clark dramatic announcement? Orlando fan Kevin Clark that he's I, I did. He's finally given up on Mo Mamba, Mo Bamba, yep. and no further comment at this time. Me, me, and uh, Kev were texting the other day about Mo Bamba, and, he, and he's like, "Kevin, I, I'm giving up. I'm giving up, and I don't see why you're not following me down this path." He's like, w "What do you see in him? What do you see in him?" And I remember I texted you. I was at a Magic Celtics game his rookie year. I was with my dad when we were we were sitting courtside, so I was watching. I was, I was on the magic side. I was watching them warm up through their whole thing, the 15 minutes for the game. And Mo Bamba was just shooting 25 footers and doing nothing else. And my dad and I were looking at each other like, why is this guy like practicing a jump hook, some footwork stuff, you know, some hand, like why, why does he think he's Clay Thompson? I was out. <laughs> I was done. That was it. Gotta, Wrote him off. Gotta give him time. Mo, Mo Bamba, like, he's still so young, Bill. He's still so young, seven two, seven nine wingspan. When he's been given, I, I can't believe we're talking about Mo Bamba. But I love it. This is great. I, I I still think Bamba's one of those guys who could be a slow riser. And when Orlando drafted him, you draft a guy sixth. Like, how do you have Ken Birch playing ahead of like Ken Birch is a quality player who deserves to be in a rotation? You did this to Zach. You hurt but, Zach's I, feelings. I, I did hurt Zach's feelings. Zach, Zach was about to get off the pod because because I, I, I slandered Ken Birch. Ken Birch. But you you got to invest in your young players. OKC, they're doing that. They gave Pokushevsky a chance to fail in the early season. They're putting him in the G League, giving him minutes to fail, 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 and get better. We're well, seeing he's, he, it's working. He's failing. He's failing a lot. <laughs> OKC's given chances to. Has SGA he shot a free throw yet? I don't believe he has in the NBA, but OKC is a perfect example. They're developing SGA. Dort, they're giving minutes with the ball in his hands. Diallo, they're giving opportunities. They're investing in their youth. 
with somebody like Mo Bamba, who you draft with the sixth pick, I just fail to understand how you don't invest in minutes, even if it, even if he's not as good as Ken Birch. You got to invest in your youth, Bill. If you're an NBA franchise drafting high lottery picks, I, I'm willing to bet Mo Bamba will be a quality rotation player. And I love this. Years. Well, we we've already bet this two years ago, and I'm winning. Uh, Poku <laughs> zero zero free throws for Poku this season. Ooh, what's his three point percentage in the NBA? Uh, twenty was twenty four point seven field goal and seventeen point nine three pointer. He he's my favorite random league pass guy. He's twenty five <laughs> feet from the basket. He's always open. And he's ready to jack him up. You yeah. know, in all seriousness, I don't think OKC would trade Shea either. Yeah. But I do think they should trade Dort. If they really wanted to get worse this year, Dort would be somebody that I weirdly could be like a Covington type <laughs> trade where it'd be like, wow, they, they got two first round picks for Dort. It's like, yeah, have you watched Dort? Like this guy, this is a guy who could be in a crunch time five in the <laughs> Eastern finals. Dort's so maybe so that's the guy they have to trade to get worse. Dort's defense against LeBron last week. When he's yeah, I loved it. Put his hands in his face. <laughs> Unbelievable there's been, moment. <laughs> there's been some fearlessness with the guys guarding LeBron this season. Yeah. It's definitely not like it was near the end with Jordan where everybody was kind of in awe of him except for <laughs> yeah. Richard Miller. There's dudes There's dudes that go right at LeBron. It's And half the time he makes them regret it. But uh, <laughs> what Simmons was doing for him against yeah. him, even though LeBron was good in that game, but man. It's, it's so you have LeBron as MVP before we go right now. I hate the MVP conversation. It's way too early, so but early. I'm just thinking about it from a gambling standpoint. Um, I mean, I think I give him beat a very slight edge right now. Okay. I'm not, you know, I think LeBron's right there. I'm not, I'm not all the way there with you that it's like a, you know, career achievement award, but I'd have him second right now behind Embiid, but that's going to be really close over the course no, LeBron, of the year. LeBron's been really good this year. I'm just yeah, saying, if awesome. you look at his stats, oh, yeah. It looks like every other LeBron season. I think there's the media narrative is already is. going really fierce. The as media fierce narrative as it's is been real. in a while. No doubt about it. It's real. It's, it's real. gotten to the point where it's like, you're an idiot if you don't vote LeBron MVP. And it's like, <laughs> well, we're 25 games in. Can I see some more games yeah. before I decide? That's the, that's the weird thing with all this. It's like all-star voting. Like I said earlier, only when votes are due on Tuesday, only 37% of the season will have passed. In a right. normal year, it's over half. The last three years is all half. And... It just feels so early. We'll see how many games are actually completed, though, in the second half of the year. You know, still supposed to be 72 for every team, but we'll see what number it ends up reaching. And we'll also see the appetite of the players. I mean, I, I'd i bet anything the All-Star game gets canceled. They can do all they want, but the play, once the players start dropping out and saying, fuck this, the All-Star game will fall apart. Would not shock me one bit. My bet would be no All-Star game. LeBron is on FanDuel right now. LeBron is 2-1. to one, And Bede's plus 480, so almost 5-1. to one. Jokic is 5-1. to one. Durant's plus 850. Curry's 10 to 1. Doncic is 11 to 1. Giannis 13 to 1. Then it jumps to Dame 30 to 1 and gets ridiculous. I I would say of all those odds right now, probably Embiid at plus 480 are the best odds. Those are pretty good odds. Yeah. Because it's like LeBron, given his age, that's like, you know, he tweaks his calf. He's out for two and a half weeks. And if Embiid can stay healthy, the fear for me with betting on Embiid for MVP is just, is he going to play 72 games? Or he's already missed a couple, but is he going to be there the whole season or is he going to have the typical Embiid whatever? That is the question with him. And But I do think the production's for real. 
Uh, Me too. I mean, last year I reported, you know, during a, a video we did over the off season, during the off season before the bubble started, that he was working on his face up game. You know, yep. attacking the basket with his face facing the basket and we're seeing the the product of that of all the work that he put in he looks so smooth off the dribble shooting the ball for a guy his size doing what he's done he's doing is pretty ridiculous and you know ordinarily i think i'd say like be careful here you know small sample size it's early in the year but what reason has he given for you to believe that this isn't for real he's gotten better at everything he's put his mind to over the course of his life you know so i, I think I, it I, comes buying it it, I'm buying it too. It, it comes really easy for him because the case against it would be like, oh, if you look at his stats from, I think it was two years ago, he was like 29 a game. But it reminds me a little of when Shaq went that his big MVP season, where it's like the stats were where they were or in the ballpark of previous seasons. But the eye test was telling you like this guy's just gets it. He's got the bag of tricks now. Mm. That Embiid can torture chamber people. He. He does, as you said, the face-up stuff. Um, the three-point range, he's shooting 40% from three. It's like, At some point, yeah. this is not a small sample size anymore. He's just a 40% shooter from three. And it seems like anytime he wants, he can get fouled. Yes. And that's Especially the piece, back to the basket. Yeah. Anytime he wants. And yeah. that's the piece. I do think they call, they call stuff for him. Shaq, there was almost like a degree of difficulty when he was at his peak because people were like, well... If we called every foul, he'd just be at the free throw line and the other team would foul out. So they would give teams benefit of the doubt. And Bede gets calls, you know, and he deserves the calls. And he's really hard to guard. I think he's really frustrating to play. He's, I don't know, what would you say on a from 1 to 10, him passing out of double teams? He's probably like a 6. 6.5, 7, yeah. something like it's that. It's not great, Solid. but he's not bad yeah. at it. No, no. And he's gotten better at it over time as well. And his footwork's really, really, really special. Remarkable. So we went from thinking like, you know, during the Dwight Howard era, we're like, are we ever going to see a real center again? We're seeing a real center again. And then the Jokic thing, you know, comparing those two, like to me, Jokic is so much more Dirk than a center. Like he's, <laughs> he's Dirk crossed with, I don't know what, but a lot of his offensive game is so Dirkish, but that unlike Dirk has the ability to take somebody down low and really pound them. But, uh, it's a good time to watch two bigs. incredible centers, yeah. really, like night to night. And the thing is, Jokic is five to one here on the FanDuel thing, and uh, that team could get hot. He could he could go thirty five, fifteen, and ten for two straight weeks, and all of a sudden be the favorite. You know, it's not inconceivable. Not at all. Jokic is right there. I'd have him third behind LeBron. Um, but our guy Ben Simmons know, is two hundred and twenty to one. Westbrook is two fifty to one. Oh, your guy Zach Levine is also two fifty to one. <laughs> don't, don't, don't 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 burn your money on those. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's kind of your guy, Zach Levine. I feel like you're one of the premier Zach Levine it, defenders. It, it, you, it's he's, kinda, he's flipped you. It's kind of funny how quickly that happens. It's funny how quickly that happens. But I'm telling you, Bill, I went from a hater, a Zach Levine hater, somebody who likes him. Just reacting to what I see on the court and what I see as improvement as a defender and passer. I think if you plug Zach Levine, he trades places with some other similar scoring guards, like flip him into Utah with Mitchell, mm. put him into a different situation. We would be talking about Levine a heck of a lot differently than we do with him on Chicago. But like Chicago, they need to fix their backcourt, like with White and Levine, and they need to fix these weird pieces they have. Like it doesn't I work do like their I like their talent. I just don't like watching them play basketball yeah. together. But I do like a lot of the players they have. 
Yeah, they have a good good individual players that don't fit well together. So I, I can't wait to see what they do because some team is going to pluck that talent away from them and it's going to work out big time for the receiving team and it'll look bad on the Bulls. Yeah. But over the time, like it's what Chicago is going to need to get it right there because this mix doesn't work. I would already, if I was a GM, I would already have marketing. I already would have gotten that done. It's pretty I good, think- man. I really like Barkanen. I can't wait to see him. And my other guy, Monk, who now is losing playing time again because the Hornets <laughs> have too many guys. He would also... If the Celtics trade for Monk, all is forgiven. KOC, <laughs> can hear you on the Mismatch, your own podcast feed with Chris Vernon a couple times a week. Also, you're doing The Void, the uh, the YouTube series for us you can find on the uh, on the Ringer, all that stuff. And you're doing a whole bunch of great stuff. You're Look at you. You have a beard now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've known, known each other for half a decade, but man, doing it, a great I mean, job. It, it kind of is half a decade. It really is. Hi- hired in 2016. Years go by so quickly. Unbelievable. Uh, thanks for coming on on a Sunday night. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bill. All right. That's it for the podcast. Have two more coming on this week on this podcast. And then two episodes of the rewatchables sleeping with the enemy and coming to America coming this week on the rewatchables busy week. Stay safe. See you next time.